Ezra Levan is my name. What a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I'd like to hop into these live streams, even just for a few minutes, tell you what's on my mind. I should tell you that uh, I'm working on my show for tonight where I'm going to talk about the ArriveCan app. All the regime media, the CBC, the Toronto Star, the lefty media, are saying that their sources are telling them that the ArriveCan app and other um, travel limitations and restrictions may end as soon as next week. And by as soon as, of course, we're one of the last countries in the world with these absurd things. I don't think any other country other than China has the same bizarre and arcane rules that we have. It's not about health. It's about vengeance and punishment and about Trudeau really wanting to show that he will never bend the knee to his critics. How dare you disagree with him? He will be downright unreasonable and, and punitive. Now, on the one hand, because Trudeau is vengeful and punitive, and he loves the idea of an panopticon, a total permanent surveillance society connected to punishment like the Chinese social credit system, for that reason, I'm skeptical that they will, in fact, uh, remove the Can app. On the other hand, these are regime media sources all reporting this. So which will it be? The regime media acknowledge that Trudeau himself hasn't signed off on it. He's too busy. He's really busy out there, by the way. He's busy singing um, songs by Queen in, in bars in London uh, on the very somber occasion of Elizabeth's funeral. So uh, Trudeau, being a dramatic actor, is doing some show tunes down there. So he's very busy. He's a little busy. But when he finally takes a moment between jetting to New York and then jetting to Japan, he might get around to doing some governing. You know, um, I don't believe in this hybrid parliament where MPs participate via Zoom. Go to work, you bloody, lazy, pompous prats. You know that the parliament votes itself an automatic raise every April Fool's Day. And that is not an April Fool's joke. Every April 1st, their pay goes up. Their performance has never been weaker or lamer or worse by any measure, financial, moral, solving problems. Can you run a passport office? Can you run an airport? Um, you're a laughingstock. You're humiliating the country around the world. Doesn't matter. They're getting their pay raise every April 1st. They've had less attendance than anyone other than, I suppose, a passport office worker. But my point is they have this hybrid parliament, they call it, where they can join in by Skype. So why doesn't Trudeau Skype in for question period? Like it's a BS thing. In, in, in the Black Death plague, in the bubonic plague of London 300-odd years ago, I think parliament shut down for two weeks. Uh, I think they moved down the road to Oxford or something, and, and they resumed. They didn't have a two-year goof-off staycation, work from home, uh, like only Canadian bureaucrats can do. My point is, if Trudeau is jetting to London, jetting to New York, and jetting to Japan, uh, all private jets, all very carbon conscious, because he's got this lazy man's parliament, why isn't he participating at least like a lazy man? Um, that's a good question, if I may say so myself. But I, um, in his absence, some of the uh, smarter cabinet ministers are making interesting announcements. Here's one by the justice minister, David Lamenti, whose chief qualification, I believe, is that he was willing to break ethics rules that his predecessor, Jody Wilson-Raybould, just simply wouldn't. And look at this little story uh, in Blacklocks, one of my favorite independent news sources. It's based in Ottawa. It's called Blacklocks Reporter. Look at this headline. 
scroll down just a sniff there, sorry for misguided dealers. Now, I won't read the whole story, but basically, David Lamenti says, drug dealers, you have to understand drug dealers, they're just trying to put food on the table for their family. So can we go easy on the drug dealers? Not, not drug users, not someone who just possesses some drugs, but the dealers, you know, the kingpins. They're just, look, people, they're just trying to put food on the table. Is there some Liberal Party donor he's talking about that, that we should know about? So this same justice minister who feels sorry for misguided drug... Oh, he's just misguided. He doesn't know what he's doing, people. It's, it's just a whoopsie, you know. They really shouldn't spend time in the clink because they're just trying to put food on the table. Whereas peaceful truckers who protest peacefully against his boss, well, they deserve prison time, months and months in pre-trial detention. I don't think in the history of Canada, or perhaps even the UK's legal history before that, has anyone ever served close to two months in prison pre-trial for the uh, most minor legal offense you can find in the criminal code called mischief. Mischief is like vandalism or doing something goofy that didn't really hurt anyone, but it should, it's still wrong. That's mischief. You spray paint something, you maybe, you know, if someone, you know that ridiculous and dangerous game you see in movies sometimes, baseball, mailbox baseball, it's a terrible thing to see. Kids driving by with baseball bats and they hit the mailboxes and smash them. And what do you call that? That's not theft, it's vandalism, it's, it's mischief. And you catch him, he's probably a teenager, you take him before the judge, you embarrass him before his family, you give him 30 hours of community service, you make him sign, write a letter to the owner apologizing, you make him pay for the new mailbox, and then you say, I never want to see you in court again, young man. You don't saddle with him with a criminal record for the rest of his life, that's mischief. It's the lowest species of crime there is. We put Tamara Leach in prison for nearly 50 days for inciting mischief pre-trial. She hasn't even, if she's convicted of that crime, she will not serve any time in prison. But she served nearly 50 days pre-trial. And I tell you all this because she is the violent insurrectionist that we have to watch out for. But a drug dealer? Huh. She's just trying to put bread on the table, people. Why are you so judgmental? So that's... Uh, that's Justin Trudeau's brain trust there. Hey, um, Kayla Lemieux is world famous, and I can think of two reasons why. Do you know who Kayla Lemieux is? Olivia, put up uh, that atrocious picture of Kayla Lemieux, spotted in orange, very fashionable, at a pool. And uh, it's, la you know, if you look at it from far away, you say, oh, is that a pregnant person? No, those are prosthetic breasts. That is a man, man. That is a man. And this isn't even transgenderism. This is some bizarre, freaky, what's, what would Woody Allen say? A travesty of a mockery of a sham. Those are artificial breasts that this man is wearing. I got to say, my back is sore just looking at that photo. And he's traipsing around, and I don't know if you can zoom in. You can see that people are staring and saying, what? What? They're first staring and saying, oh, look at the absurd breasts on that woman. So that's the first, whoa, what's that? And then the second, whoa, is that's a man, man. What on earth? That is a teacher 
in Ontario who goes to class dressed like that. Uh, it's so atrocious. It's made worldwide headlines. I don't think the CBC has covered it yet, though. It's funny. I was noting the other day coverage of this Kayla Lemieux and coverage of Trudeau singing uh, Freddie Mercury songs in tribute to the Queen. That's how the Canadian media spun it. You have to go to the New York Post or Fox News or the Daily Mail in London to get. Yeah, look at it. Can we put that uh, that vid of Kayla there? Yeah, put that on the screen. Just absolute madness. A shop teacher. Yeah, this I I can think of a I can think of two work and safety issues there. Just absolute madness. Um, you know, if, ten years ago that would that would have been someone who they would seek mental help for. Uh, for themselves, and at the very least, to say you're not going to parade in, in a pornographic and fetishistic manner in front of children. You're not going to use these children as part of your sexual fantasy by exposing your fake, enormous prosthetic breasts in that. Like, it, there's just, it's just, but that is so normal now that the school is terrified of talking about it. The school is terrified of doing anything. Now, we, we sent our friend David Menzies and Lincoln Jay to a school board meeting on this subject, and we'll have another report on it. Just absolute madness. Uh, there's madness on top of madness, and of course, the final layer is that the media party does not like to talk about this. I don't think the CBC has done even a single story on it, by the way. Now, as you know, what I do these days is I pop in for a quick hello, talk about some things that are on my mind, and then I skedaddle because i got other work to do. We have a very exciting event tonight can you go to democracyfund.ca slash events? There's still time to sign up for a Zoom ticket to see an important uh, forum tonight. It's a panel discussion with Rex Murphy and Conrad Black, two of the greats, talking about the state of civil liberties in Canada. Now, it's in Whitby, Ontario, which is about half hour east of Toronto. But if you are not in the greater Toronto area, that is okay. Because you can get a Zoom ticket. I think it's 11 bucks and watch the whole show from the comfort of your home. And um, the event is right there. The History of Civil Liberties in Canada with Rex Murphy, Conrad Black leading the conversation. You know, I was checking the ticket count uh, earlier, and it is going to be a great event. I'm just going to tell you that there are 1,207 folks who are either coming or going to be watching. And I think that by the time the day is done, that number is going to be much higher. Very exciting. You don't want to miss it. You can go to thedemocracyfund.ca. It's going to be a good one. Um, I think I'm going to get going because I don't want to keep you from the main attraction. Alexa Lavoie and Tamara Ugolini, what a great tag team. They're going to take care of you for the rest of the noon hour live stream. I hope I'll see you tonight, though, when I go a little bit deeper into the ArriveCan app, I will take you through the terms of service, including the privacy terms of service on the ArriveCan app. You will be appalled and you will agree with me that that ain't an app. That is a piece of spyware and malware. All right, see you tonight, everybody. Good night. Oh, well, it's a little early. Other than your friends at Rebel News, who are the best journalists in Canada?
well, obviously, it's Rex Murphy and Conrad Black. They're amazing. Conrad Black, the founder of the National Post and its lead columnist, Rex Murphy, one of the wisest and funniest conservative critics in the country. Oh, I love both of those guys. Imagine spending dinner with not one, but both of them. Well, you can or even just come to a discussion between the two men. Here's what I'm talking about. On September 22nd, the Democracy Fund is hosting an amazing evening with Conrad Black and Rex Murphy. It's going to start out with a wine and cheese reception. Then it's going to have the two men in conversation for 90 minutes. And then afterwards, for those who like, a private dinner with Conrad Black and Rex Murphy. And I'll be there too. And I don't know, I'm, I'm excited about it. There is going to be a lot of intellectual horsepower there. Uh, and two fascinating guys. If you're interested, you can find out all the details at the link below or at the democracyfund.ca slash events. The prices start at just 11 bucks. If you're not in the Toronto area, you can watch online on Zoom, the conversation. If you are in the Toronto area, come on out. You can buy a ticket just for the conversation between the two men. They're on stage. You can get a ticket for the wine and cheese beforehand or come to the sit-down dinner afterwards, sort of the after party with Rex Murphy and Conrad Black and I will be there. Apologies if I'm a uh, deterrent for you buying a ticket. I'm kidding around. It's going to be a great night. I'll see you there. September 22nd, the Democracy Fund. Find out more at thedemocracyfund.ca slash events or click the link below. Tickets start at 11 bucks and they go up to 250 if you want that sit-down dinner with Rex and Conrad afterwards. The Democracy Fund, of course, being a CRA-registered charity, so your money goes towards a good cause. All right, we'll see you on September 22nd. That's thedemocracyfund.ca. What an exciting event. Hey, Alexa. How are you? You're in studio today. I'm well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm really good. I'm actually really happy to be in Toronto. So you just saw the uh, event of tonight by the Democracy Fund. So I will be there if you are interested with the beautiful Tamara so, and David Menzi. So we will be all there. If you want to meet us, go and purchase your ticket. It should be like a really nice night. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to mingling in person. And I get some feedback here. I don't know if the um, the editors on the back end there can can deal with that, but my sound is really echoey. I can hear myself. Anyway, um, so so yeah, we're really looking forward to this event tonight. And unfortunately, my day has to get cut a little bit early so that I can head down there. I mean, it's unfortunate for the content that we create, but I'm really looking forward to uh, to doing that and being there and mingling with people in person. Like I, I always I always repeat myself on this. We were deprived of that for nearly two years. And I mean, depending on how much you actually complied or not, but regardless, these big events weren't taking place. So even if you wanted to attend and were a consensual adult, you weren't able to because they couldn't be planned. So I'm always eager to get back in person and talk to people and see, you know, how, what the thoughts are on the ground and um, find out what's important to people and what they want to hear more or maybe even less about. Mm -hmm. So um, first and foremost, we have this two clips from uh, various Trudeau liberals. The first one will be Omar Algebra. Yep. He is our uh, transport minister. And he has been a fierce advocate and defender of 
the Arrive Can app. And there's a lot of speculation that when these restrictions are set to expire, which is coming up very quickly on September the 30th, that the liberals aren't going to extend their use. So here we have a clip of what he had to say when he was questioned about that. Why remove ArriveCAN at this point? Uh, look, first of all, ArriveCAN is a critical tool to uh, process travelers uh, with the requirement of the vaccine mandate. So we're asking, it's a tool that helps process arrivals as they arrive. So you want to keep it mandatory beyond September 30th? There's no decision has been made. We are, as we've said all no along, final decisions we're, we're, we're constantly assessing the new situation and making decisions based on the information. So you think it should remain beyond September 30th? It's like standard liberal jargon. They just skirt the issue and they just run around. They won't answer, ascertain anything. What do you make of his response, Alexa? But I think you don't want to be the one to reveal any information, probably because you have been told to don't tell anything. But we know that ArriveCan, it's under the reign of like, suing for the fact that it's violating so much of our rights. So I think at, at one point, like we see all of these countries having no any more like restriction and Canada have, and this have, it's actually something else that the, the other country doesn't have. So all they will support in court the fact that they need to have it mandatory when we know that most of the measures have been left everywhere. So it's probably the pressure from it and saying like, are we going to lose many, many million or billion of dollars in a trial or we are going to lift it and just remove all the measure and put it like, yeah, um, I, I, not mandatory, but um, like optional. Uh, optional, yeah. It's it's my time. There's a lot of speculation there that this app has always been optional. It just depended on your comfort level. You know, if you were comfortable potentially receiving these fines and which can come with very hefty amounts and jail time and what kind of rigmarole you wanted to face when you were trying to get back into the country if you decided not to download this government what i call a surveillance app mm -hmm. right this is this has more broad far reaching implications than just checking your public health information or your your general health information um, it's under the guise, right, of safety and convenience, and we're keeping everyone safe by somehow tracking and tracing your every move post-arrival into this country. But I think that the, the lawsuit and the legal um, unfoldings will be very good to set and hopefully set a strong precedence because mm -hmm. we don't want this to happen again, right? Even if this expires on September 30th, along with all of the other restrictions being put in place by various levels of government, most of them are just suspended. So you have to be very mindful of the language that they use because a suspended restriction could just be enacted at any point again in the future when and if they deem that to be necessary. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think a lawsuit comes in um, for to, to, to make that precedence and have more full force of the law to say, no, this is unconstitutional or whatever will be ruled there. Uh, to set that precedence that this can't be instituted again, because 
when we launched that app, that sorry, that campaign at noarrivecan.com. And we've had lots of great reports from yourself, Alexa. You've talked to people on the ground who have mm-hmm. been experiencing fines and this the holdup really at the border coming, just trying to get back into the country as healthy individuals. Um, so yeah, there's our page there. If you visit noarrivecan.com, you can see all of our reports in the, the campaign, the petition, the crowdfunding we're doing in partnership with uh, the Democracy Fund to litigate on behalf of onboarded clients. But when I launched the campaign, I suspected, and I and I wrote that in my report, that this was that weird sneaky partnership with the World Economic Forum's brainchild, the K, KTDI, the Known Traveler Digital Identity. And now we have uh, uh, the Minister of, of Tourism saying that he actually applauds this as being a digitization, being part of the digitization of the world. Let's check out what he had to say. I can say that ArriveCan has its use in digitizing the border. People travel, and we want to make sure that people get through the border as quickly as possible. Having that digitized border is going to help us bring more people to the country. And so it has a place here in Canada. But again, frictionless border. Let's make sure we're welcoming as many tourists across the border as we can and tourists from around the world. This is a conversation inside government. We're taking it very seriously. My point of view is like, okay, but we saw another um, politician saying that that is actually causing um, a really big precedent on economy and tourism because people don't want to come in Canada anymore for like having all these restrictions for coming in. And mm-hmm. it, when we look at as well, like uh, when Omar Al-Gabra say that, oh, we use Arafkan as a tool for, you know, COVID-19 and like being secure and everything. But what about Roxham Road? I'm not sure that they show Arafkan there. <laughs> That's just it. And you've reported on that at length as well. And I think it's the New York mayor who has denounced the use of ArriveCan and mm-hmm. how much, and, and also uh, the Niagara mayor has said how much this has affected their tourism industry, which was already negatively affected throughout the COVID pandemic and all those initial restrictions. <clears throat> and now that's just been compounded by this government surveillance tool. I mean, I'm not going to skirt around what, what it's called. This is an app that has far-reaching implications, in my opinion, when, as Ezra already touched on earlier, and I guess he's going to delve deeper into it in his show tonight, this has far-reaching implications for privacy and personal information protection. Um, So there's that whole element. And not to mention the fact that, you know, this is supposed to be a tool that the government's using to make border travel and, and travel more seamless. But I mean, what have you found in your reports, Alexa? Is this making it more seamless and easier for travelers? <laughs> the Arafkan is actually way worse because uh, when I was talking with some people at the airport, they were t- telling me that some of their flight was delayed because the Arafkan happened shut down and so at one point they just bored the Canadian people and not the foreigner 
So I was like, imagine as a tourist, you are excited, you're going to Canada, but because the mandatory app is crashed down, oh, you, you are going to stay behind, you know? This doesn't make sense at all. And I think it's uh, one of the reason that we see the chaos in Pearson Airport, in Montreal Airport as well, because we, we didn't heard so much about the airport in the West, but mostly Pearson and Montreal, because if you look at the non-digital traveler identity, the partnership is with Pearson Airport and Montreal Trudeau Airport. That doesn't happen in Quebec City too at our airport. It's mostly both of these uh, airports, not the West one. I, I didn't hurt so far. I don't know for you, but on the West Coast, I didn't see any complaint. That's right. I'm actually just looking up the partnerships here now. I'm going to post them or paste this link into the, the chat here so that we can maybe show it on screen. But the partnerships with the, this, again, this World Economic Forum brainchild, the known traveler digital identity. Um, yeah, it's Pearson International Airport. It's the Canadian government as a whole, right? That's really concerning. Um, the government of Netherlands. So if you scroll down on this screen a little bit, you'll see the partners. Mm -hmm. There they are, pilot partners. So Air you've got Canada. the Forum, Air Canada, Government of Canada, uh, Montreal Trudeau Airport, Toronto Pearson, Government of Netherlands. Th the list goes on and on. And I was actually speaking to some pilots um, from Air Canada, and they said that as of 2018, they actually have had to have this KTDI's similar mm -hmm. platform for coming and going in and out of Canada. And those are Canadian citizens. And so they've been piloting this through Air Canada uh, from since prior to 2020. So this mm -hmm. is not a new thing. It's just now being more broadly instituted onto the general public. And we're becoming increasingly aware of this. But this has been going on since at least 2018. So that is also really concerning and something that I heard from these pilots directly. Yeah. So um, Mr. Trudeau have signed in Davos and is on the Canada website, the agreement for the non-digital traveler identity. And as well, I think it was in 2020 on the budget that they, they say that they will, I don't, I don't really recall how many million, but it was for five years for the uh, non-digital traveler identity. And one of the MP called it out during the um, House of Common budget hearing. And I was like, why nobody have say anything? And it was the only one to talk as to say like, but when I Google non-digital traveler identity, that bring me to the World Economic Forum. So why? why our taxpayer is going to pay for something that is come from an organization that's come from outside Canada. Exactly. And the whole guise of this being seamless and making travel easier is proving to be a massive lie and deception, as evidenced by what we have next up on our docket here, which is an article from The Star, and it's titled Passengers Rate Toronto 
Pearson Airport as one of the worst airports in North America, according to a new study. So, you know, it says, starts off there, if you saw the chaotic lineups, baggage pileups, and viral tweets this summer, this might come as little surprise. Our airport isn't exactly a crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. So this comes from a customer satisfaction study released Wednesday by a U.S. research firm, which ranked Toronto Pearson's International Airport 16th out of 20 major North American airports. And I found it interesting in this particular article as well that, um, let me see where they said it, but one of the spokes, a spokesperson from Toronto Pearson, or sorry, from the Greater Toronto Airports Authority that operates Pearson, They dismissed this study and said that the sample size was too small to be statistically significant. So, of course, they are right, because they don't want to be bearing the burden of bad news here that their policies and pandemic response plans are just inept failures. I don't I I really I really hope that the Arrive Can app will be scrapped on September 30th. And that's not to say that it's it's scrapped. This just expires. And it's whether or not the Liberal government will move forward with allowing it to expire, or are they going to reinvigorate it somehow to keep this known traveler digital identity platform moving forward and being instituted indiscriminately on Canadians? Will this lawsuit uh, that has been launched by the Democracy Fund have anything to do with it? I guess only time will tell. Yeah, but I would say like a lot of people have bring the fact that they didn't agree with the agreement policies for Arrive Can, so most of them didn't want it to download it. But I would say like to everybody, a lot of companies are changing their policy. And before agreeing, because we have the like often we just put agree without reading it, but I will invite everybody to read the policies before agreeing it, my personal point of view. Yeah, and I have a report coming out that highlights one of the concerning parts of this privacy policy with the Arrive Can app. And it also, like I mentioned, sounds like Ezra will be doing his show on that tonight. So I don't want to give away too much or spoil any of those efforts that are going into those other two pieces of journalism. Um, But I would urge you, yes, to tune in to see uh, the follow-up report that I have and tune into Ezra's show that you can find on rebelnewsplus.com. Tonight, I believe it's 8 p.m., if I have my memory serving me correctly, then that will give you a bit more insight just into some of the ramifications of instituting this, I mean, he already called it spyware, onto your personal cell phone, onto your personal device. This is a huge overreach, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. It is. And as I say, I was talking with a lawyer um, last week. And what he says, say, you know, the Canadian Charter of Rights, this piece of paper make the difference between a democratic country or a communism country as China. So we need to protect our rights and we need to do what, whatever we can to fight it and to create the precedent to to protect our rights because this piece of paper it's all that protect our country and our democracy 
Exactly. It should be held in, in high regard and not infringed upon lightly. And we've seen that over the last two years that it has been, and it has to be demonstrably justified, right? So are these measures demonstrably justified? I guess we have to leave that to the courts and the judges to determine. So I'm really hopeful that this will be a good, strong precedent that's set mm -hmm. here. And of course, if you want to learn more and you want to chip in to help offset the cost of that, you can do so at noarrivecan.com. Now we have some super chat. So maybe I'll just get to okay. a few of them before we throw to an ad. Um, Harper will always be my PM. <laughs> That's a clever name. Gave $10. Thank you. That socialist in Justin gang will probably will claim next human traffickers are also trying to work hard feeding family. A. Um, I'd have to dissect this sentence a little bit more. Sorry. I'm not totally, I'm not completely getting what you're trying to get across, but, um, I would not put anything past the Justin Trudeau liberals at this point. Uh, he also gives $5, so thank you for that. Wonder if the next federal debate in Princess Trudy will reuse same old lines to every question from Pierre, racist, Harper, fault, Canadian, wants me, then repeat over and over. Yeah, just a massive dis deflection mm -hmm. uh, that I see from the liberals constantly and so just out of touch with their own policies and what they're instituting onto Canadians and just constantly deflect, deflect, deflect instead of reflect on maybe some of their shortfallings and how they could move forward um, even more ethically speaking, right? This is the most unethical government that we've seen in power in a really long time. And, and Canadians just seem to forget or just be too passive to really um, pay more attention, I guess. It, it just make look like our country as a foolish country, like with everything that is done so far. Mm -hmm. I, if I was like an outsider from another country, I would laugh, say like, what is going on in Canada? It's like, maybe it's pretty, but ee, like his decision and what he's doing as an action, we will pass to something else, huh? <laughs> right. Well, he got voted in based on good hair and funky socks. So that yeah. speaks to the magnitude of Canadian voters. Thank you, everyone, for <laughs> those well-researched, informed vote choices. Mm. Um, this this Harper will always be my PM gives one more five dollars. Thank, Thank you again. Thank God. <laughs> my parents had me in private girls school in Toronto, grade one to 12 freaks like Halton allow we're not allowed to enter yeah i don't know private school seems to be going down a similar path unfortunately i think that the curriculum that they still have to abide by is maybe less than what you would get in a publicly funded exclusive school um but the private schools all complied with all this madness too right they force masked everyone they perhaps in some instances instituted their own vaccine passports um i don't think private schools are necessarily the be-all end-all that perhaps they once were and that's coming from someone who also i went to a private high school um as well so i definitely appreciated the education that i was able to get there from from that but I see it going in, a, in another direction these days. So mm -hmm. that's my personal opinion on that. But let's throw to an ad and we'll come back to some more news stories. Yay.
Are you liking the banter on our live stream that you're watching right now? If so, you should know that you can get exclusive Rebel News content by going to rebelnewsplus.com. You'll get special shows from my colleagues, Sheila Gunn-Reed, Ezra Levant, as well as the Menzoid Menzies. And you'll also get to view our exclusive documentaries, including the one that tells you the truth of what was actually discovered, at least what is known to be discovered so far at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. Take a look at the trailer. Well, the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave in Canada. Many of you know that just over a year ago, the discovery of the remains of 215 children was found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School at the Tecumlupshiswemek First Nation. But what if I were to show you that what I just said wasn't true? and that in fact, a year later, not a single body has been found. This mass grave is a painful reminder of the genocide. Canada's leaders aren't condemning the burning of churches. No, they're endorsing the burning of churches. A juvenile rib bone that surfaced in the same area. You'd be surprised the number of people who say, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a paramedic. This is definitely a human bone and it's hmm. definitely not. It's like the chief. All right, Alexa, we are communicating a little bit behind the scenes there because Ezra touched on some of the topics that we were going to discuss. So Alexa, why don't you lead us into the next topic that, that the viewers haven't heard from us yet? But we have a video of the Deputy Christia Freeland uh, who criticized a conservative uh, just claiming the, the party is used to believe in fiscal responsibility, wondering what do they really stand for these days. So we will show you the video and we will uh, give our opinion after that. Mr. Speaker, the Conservatives used to be a party that had a few core economic principles. They used to believe in saving for your retirement. They used to believe in fiscal responsibility and in a well-funded EI system. In fact, when the current Conservative leader was the minister responsible for EI, he actually presided over an EI premium 25 cents higher than the one that will go into effect next year. So the Conservatives need to pick a lane. What do they really stand for these days? The Honourable Member. Mr. I, you know what? I think that's rich coming from Christia Freeland, uh, who has been an inept failure throughout the handlings of basically her entire portfolio. But I think she does have an okay point there um, that, you know, what do the Conservatives really stand for? We saw under the leadership of Aaron O'Toole, obviously he was ousted as party leader for not taking a hard stance against the pandemic restrictions and things that were happening to small businesses and Canadians as a whole. Um, that I think we're going to see a, a stark turn now that we have, you know, Candace Bergen led us into the leadership with Pierre Polyev now being the, the leader of the Conservative Party. So I think this is just a hit at the way that the Conservatives have gone the last, you know, two plus years and really forcing Pierre Polyev to take his hard stances and stick to them. Uh, I think. 
I really see it as kind of pointing out the shortfallings of the parties had that everyone knows about now. The trucker convoy highlighted how much of a failure Aaron O'Toole was and he was ousted shortly thereafter. So I think that she's just poking the bear at that fact. And I think that they're really um, running scared from Pierre Polyev, as we can see now with the Liberals, you know, all of a sudden they're not wearing masks Mm -hmm. in the House of Commons anymore. They're going to let these, hopefully, let these remaining border restrictions expire. So I think they're starting to get a feel for the Canadians are fed up and they're switching to the Conservative Party. So they're just trying to poke that bear, I think. But I'm going to add the point here. So on... The time of Mr. Otto, we know that he was a flip-flop, flip-flopper. Um, so we saw as well some of the members of the Conservative Party who were not 100% in one view, and they were flip-flopping as we saw with Gérard Deltel, as Anne Reyes, as other uh, MP from the Conservative Party who were not really taking strong stand as the party was doing, like, example, when Reyes was, like, for the Bill C-10, like, being really um, opposite as the conservative. They were, were like, no, we, you need to be more fast, more strong, more robust on this uh, censorship of uh, Internet. When we look at the conservative, and it's not what they stand for, but with Poliev, Poliev is... He know what he want and he's not going to change because he wants to please everybody. He is he always had the same speech. So you you saw it. Alarez they decided to step as an independent because he was like, I'm I'm not going to do and to to like go in a, in a, in a way that I'm I'm not agreeing with it. So he just decided to just quit the conservative uh, forcing as an independent. But we saw it with Gerard Deltel that he was like, so like into Charest and when Poliev like stepped in, it was like, oh, okay. Now like I'm turning to Poliev and I'm kissing his, his feet. But, uh, but you can see that probably now and then ever, conservatives are united and they are fighting all together for one cause. And I think now what they stand for is just the freedom, giving back freedom to Canadians and helping Canadians through the inflation and through a lot of uh, the big problems that unfortunately liberal have created. Yeah, exactly. And Pierre stood on that strong platform this entire time. I mean, he could have... My qualm with Pierre Polyev is that he could have stood up a lot sooner and earlier for Canadians rather than waiting for the tsunami and grassroots trucker movement to make its way. I think once they saw how much that movement was snowballing and the insane amount of support that was coming out for the truckers on the overpasses that were crowded and filled all across the country. I think that was a really overwhelming wake up for the Conservative Party that they had really ignored that silent majority, right? You always hear about the silent majority and sometimes they're just so silent because they just want to be left alone that you forget that they exist. 
And I think they forgot that they existed. And the trucker convoy was a reinvigoration that, hey, we're all still here. Mm -hmm. We've been ignored. And now we're tired because we're no longer being left alone to be hardworking Canadians who are paying our taxes at crazy inflated rates, um, as per one of the other topics that we had on, on the agenda here today. And um, Pierre really took, he figured out very early on after, well, not very early on, but after the trucker convoy started to make its way, just what those Canadians were standing for. And he advocated on their behalf and he stuck to that platform all throughout his campaign. And I think uh, Christia Freeland, as a finance minister, is feeling very threatened by that actual Mm -hmm. fiscal responsibility and trying to lower the cost of living for everyday Canadians. Because... These aren't a fringe minority. This is affecting now everyone. And a lot of people are questioning the liberal way. Even, you know, diehard liberals are going, hey, you know what? I no longer like the direction that the party's moving. And we're coming over to the conservative side. Yeah, but I would say I don't blame nobody who have different time to waking up. I have some friend that at the beginning for years, um, after the beginning of the pandemic, like that was completely blind. And recently they, they just came back to me and say, you know what, you were right. But I would not like say, well, you took some time. No, but like everybody have a different process in their life to open their eyes and to realize all the impact and the collateral damage that had been caused by all the, those measures and all those like restriction that was around because some people did, was not affected as other. So sometimes when you have, you're not faced to it, you, you take more time to wake up and see like what is going on. So mm-hmm. for me, it's just like, at least it did it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no better time than now. Better late than never is kind of my stance on it. Um, We have a few more super chats here. So let's just get to those ones because we're quickly running out of time. I always appreciate our conversation, Alexa, and we can easily start to ramble on here. Yeah. Um, let me just see where we are. Oh, GGFD gives $10. Thank you. Tamara, just to thank you for your interview with Dr. William Mackis regarding the 32 doctors who have died since the jab rollout. Excellent report. Thank you. And Rebel News. Thank you uh, for your support. And for anyone who's wondering what that's about, uh, I think it just came out yesterday, uh, an interview with Alberta-based physician, Dr. William Mackis, and that's to do with the 32 doctors at that time. I think that the list is growing like by the days mm-hmm. and weeks of people who are now faced with this sudden phenomenon of sudden death. And we won't say too much here because we're still on YouTube. Um, maybe after this ad break, actually, we'll get off of YouTube because I think we're going to discuss some COVID nitty gritty videos that were put out by and then suddenly retracted by the city of Toronto. So if you want to join us on those other platforms, Rumble, Odyssey, Getter, I think we're even live streaming on Twitter. And we will move off of off of YouTube to get more into uncensored opinions on the COVID topic. So join us there after the next ad break. Um, Scott, not two T's, gives $5. Thank you. Be sure to read Whitney Webb's new book, One Nation Under Blackmail, which gives the whole picture of criminals in government. Love you guys, Alexa and Tamara. Well, thank you thank so much. You. I will... 
have to write that one down and have a look um, to see what it's about. JCMN84 gives $100. Wow, what a generous donation. Thank you very much. Um, Justice Koval hearing for petitions against Dr. Bonnie Henry for a judicial review on uh, November 28th, it looks like, to December the 9th. And there's a link there asking for support. Love what Rebel stands for. All right. I'm going to write that down yeah. as well and Me check too. that I'm out. Going to take a screenshot of that. Yeah. Thank you very much for that um, generous donation. So let's let's roll to a quick ad break. And then when we come back, join us on one of those other platforms and we can talk more openly about some COVID stuff. My mug? I know. It's pretty cool. So is this hoodie I got on and you could have it on too if you check out our special website at rebelnewsstore.com. That's where you can see freedom focus hoodies that we have for you, beanies, cell phone cases, you name it, all while supporting our journalism where we fight to bring you the other side of the story as opposed to, you know, being forced by the Trudeau government to fund leftist media out of your taxes. The truth is, without you and your generosity, there is no rebel news. So again, if you like the reports that we bring you and that we also fight for freedoms in Canada, please consider doing some shopping, picking up some swag at rebelnewsstore.com. We appreciate your support. Yeah, and mine too. 1984 was not an instruction manual. <laughs> you can get that one at rebelnewsstore.com. I don't have a shirt today because I'm going to the event, so I, I just try to dress well. <laughs> so That's fair. I, I'm at home, so I get to change before making my way there. Okay. I'm so excited to so, see you there, huh? by the way. It's yeah, been a while. And likewise to our viewers, get some tickets, come on out, meet and mingle with us, hear some great chats, have a discussion. It's always fun to do so in person. You can't replace the vibe in person with you know video or Zoom. I mean, obviously, if you're geographically far away and you can't join us mm -hmm. in person, then of course, by all means. But if you can be there in person, I always strive to, to do that option. Um, okay. So we have these videos that were published, basically vaccine propaganda is what I would call it, published by the city of Toronto on their Twitter and I guess probably their YouTube page as well, but I saw it on Twitter. And um, before it was removed, they we got, we got some recordings. So maybe if we have one of them, can we show our viewers in case they're not aware? She's so cute. Yes, yes, you are. Yes, you're very cute. Uh, when can we see her? We would love to see her squeeze those cheeks. Look over here. Look over here. Oh, cutie. <laughs> so gross. This is sickening. Oh. This is sickening because children are the range of the population the less at risk this is completely wrong and and first that should not have been filmed at all like right. the people that just the fact that someone think to create that had it's sick in the head sorry for my expression but it it is mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's literally just instilling unfounded fear into parents and driving anyone who's hysterical enough to still be isolating their infant from not not only the general population, but their family members. This is just normalizing that kind of severe hypochondria behavior through propaganda. Mm-hmm. That There's no other word for it. This is propaganda and it's facilitating a mental health crisis in parents that is going to have a ripple effect onto their children. And we have no idea what the fallout or the repercussions of that will be until those children are, you know, teenagers and adults. And will be, they ever be fully functioning members of society if they're dealing with debilitating anxiety about, you know, getting a cough or the sniffles? I would say, like, do not forget about the COVID hub where they use the grandmother to make people feel guilty to not see their grandfather or grandmother, grandparents. And they, they were like, if you want to see them, don't let them like uh, isolated, take your COVID shot. Okay, that one was one that was sick too. And the other one with the vaccine passport, we had that in Quebec, where a couple is walking and one is like facing a wall, like a glass wall and say, don't wait to face a wall. Take your vaccine for having like your vaccine passport because you were not allowed to enter somewhere. So you, the one of the, the couple were just like, poof, like facing the wall. And and I was like, this is wrong too. Like all yeah. these had that have been created since two years are sick. But when they use now the children to encourage parents to vaccinate their children that are not at risk, it's sick. It's keeping people in the fear that mm-hmm. maybe something will happen to their maybe only children. You know, when you have a children. Okay, it's your only, uh, sometimes it's your only one. You want to do everything that you can to protect your children. But the thing is like, talk to your doctor. Don't watch what you see in the TV. Doctor will tell you what is the best and if it's really at risk. And they will probably know more (laughs) than uh, had created politically by the government for you to watch. Yeah, but even on that note, these doctors have also been equally as radicalized by this exact propaganda. And they've used industrial strength mind control techniques on the population for the better part of two years with incessant messaging and behavioral modification Mm -hmm. techniques to gain their compliance. So even at this point, a lot of those in the medical establishment who haven't denounced or spoken out against this narrative... I don't know if I would trust them. That's my personal opinion. Of some, course, some doctor always... is still okay, though. Some, some of them. But now yes. we should like expose, like expose the doctor who are pushing into a direction that is against the deontology of of a doctor. This is this is my point. Like some of the we we cannot put like all the doctor in the same plate because. The, like some of them are still there. They are not loud, but when they are with their uh, patient, they they are doing their job correctly. It's just like a part of them is unfortunately brainwashed. So it's sure that 
uh, we don't know who to believe anymore because we don't know if it's like in our side, in the side of the government or, you know, it just, it had like so, so many people who had been lying in these two last past two years. So this is more than two years now. This is the most like sad part. Yeah. And look, the city then put out this, uh, not press release, but this tweet to clarify the record that they removed this video from earlier today. They received so much backlash. So they had to, they had to remove the video and they put out this tweet that they always strive to ensure clear understanding, especially about vaccinations and will work to ensure greater clarity in the future. And this wasn't the only video, though. Do we have the one where they had the little the child mm -hmm. um, being forced inside and not being able to go out and play with their friends? Do we have that video to show? Because I'd like to also feature that one. I don't know if we have it um, uh, Yeah, we have available. it. Just one minute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was a couple of them. There it is. Mom, can you go outside and play with your friends? No, honey, these things have been going around. Okay. This is so disgusting. It's just unbelievable. Like, I cannot believe ima imagine that Imagine like they... a, a children who see that, okay? By uh, the eyes of a children. They see that. Do you think they would be not traumatized and they would not say, you will not like isolate me, mom, you were not doing that? Or like imagine, or maybe so, like another way, like the children say, oh, but should I isolate myself just in case like something happened to me? It just, we yeah. don't know like all the children think and that can disturb them way more than we think developmentally too this can have lasting lifelong long impacts i mean we're rational reasonable adults so you can use your critical brain and navigate some of this stuff and you know talk to people research but children don't have any of those capabilities yet it's not until you're in your well into your 20s that your cognitive uh your frontal lobe is fully developed enough to reason and rationalize and uh, you know this idea that there was ever outdoor viral spread has never been scientifically substantiated, proven, or otherwise. This was knee-jerk hysterical um, propaganda that was put on the population to gain their compliance. Outdoor viral spread is not a thing. It's never been a thing. It's never been documented, never been scientifically studied or proven to exist. Mm -hmm. And neither has asymptomatic spread, right? That yeah. Everyone complied based on this idea that there was outdoor viral transmission and asymptomatic spread. Those two things have never been studied or proven to actually exist. So the fact that the city of Toronto, I mean, who approved these ads, how much went into developing these ads, and then as soon as they are put out to the population and the public, they receive so much backlash that they have to pull them completely. I mean, that speaks volumes as to where we are now in the COVID narrative versus where we are even a year ago. And this is all, it's, it's your money that just, our yeah. money that just been wasted in some had that been removed. And that first of all, shouldn't have not have been created. 
So it's again, just to show that they are wasting the money from taxpayer in a really time that a lot of citizens are suffering from inflation, that probably that money should be like returned to the citizen to help them out instead of propaganda of COVID-19. That's a really great point. Now, I think we're at time here. So we have one super chat that we're going to read now that we're off of YouTube. And then we'll end off with an ad and someone will join you again here tomorrow, same time and place. So this is from Fraser Frasebo, uh, Terror. I feel so sorry for all those people who are made to take the three jabs. What about the fourth or the fifth? fifth yeah. They must be living in terror, knowing how many people have died from the vaccine. Now the liberal government wants to mandate a new improved shot. Good luck, people. Yeah, that's right. He's so uh, Frazier's referring to the new Omicron specific only mm -hmm. ever tested on eight mice bivalent booster mm -hmm. that's coming out. I think I just was reading on September 26th, it will be available in Canada, or maybe that was Ontario. But anyway, it's only a week away before this injection starts to be rolled out on the general population. And I wonder if Dr. Mackis's death count toll will go up at that point. I I'm really sad to see the state of affairs with these injection rollouts and the fact that these alarming safety signals have not been cause for concern for any governing agency or um, medical review board. No one. It's all crickets uh, from anyone in the establishment on any safety profiles. Yeah, but anyway, what it, it's just like I... I heard from someone that I know personally that say to me, whatever the number of vaccine that they ask, I'm going to take all of them. And I was like, what? It, really? Like, Good I was luck. Like, and it was something, so someone young, like not, not, not old. I was like, are you really thinking yourself? I, and I remember like in Quebec, one of the, um, it's someone known, but I don't remember her name, but it's a, it's a female and she say like, you know what, when I can think less, I'm, I'm actually, I, I like when the government tell me what to do because I can think less. And I was like, you say that in the TV and people look at you. I'm not sure that you really want that to be shown. I think that that is a classic example of ignorance is bliss, right? If you just follow along and everything's la-di-da and you don't think for yourself, then maybe you are a happier person. I don't know. I prefer, I'm, I'm more of the mindset that information is ammo and mm. uh, information and knowledge is power. And so I always try to seek out tons of knowledge, get some background resources and come to the table armed with that know-how and ability to debate and have a point and back it up with, with sources and evidence. Mm -hmm. um, I, someone like that, unfortunately, I don't think I would have much in common with. And how do you speak, you know, what kind of conversation do you have with someone who's of that mindset, right? So that's kind of sad, actually. But maybe ignorance is bliss. Well, at least uh, they are probably more happy in his mind because he live in a pink world where uh, everything yep. is perfect and everything is good, and they don't see like the damage and the the 
suffering of other people. They just think that everything is back to normal. In your end, sometimes like make people happier, but in the same time, I'm really um, sad for them because they don't see what is happening. And at one point, when, when well, sorry, <laughs> my English is going away. Never, it never came, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> but at one point, they will face to a wall because yeah. if you let these happening, it will just take more, 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 more uh, of uh, the feel. And at one point, if it's not touching your personal life, at one point, it will touch your personal life. And at that moment, it will be too late. So it's why if more and more people like wake up, it's, it's when like we can, like pe people can do something against what is happening. But unfortunately, as I say, if it's not touching your personal life now, it will at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. And how do you really be involved with the world around you if you're just seeing it through rose-colored glasses? And on that note, we are done with our live stream today. So join us back here same time tomorrow. And if you're coming out to our event, we'll see you there tonight. Yeah. Otherwise, have a great Thursday. Bye, everybody. Thank you for tuning Speaker, I'm presenting a petition on behalf of Canadians who want a permanent end to the Arrive Can app, the vaccine mandates, and all COVID mandates. Currently, the government has only suspended some of the mandates, but thanks to the opposition pressure, they will be getting rid of the Arrive Can app and the border mandates. The petitioners note that other countries around the world have removed all their vaccine mandates and restrictions. Petitioners are calling on the government and the Minister of Transport to end all federally regulated COVID-19 vaccine mandates and restrictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker.